Just want to welcome you to River Church. Uh, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 37. If you want to find that in your Bible, uh, if you don't have a Bible, you can download the Riverage app, and there's a link to a Bible on there. And if you don't uh, want to do that, it'll be on the screen behind me. And we're starting a new series, as you can tell, called The Dreamer, where we're looking at the life of Joseph. And this is Joseph from the Old Testament, not Joseph, the husband of Mary. And so one of the things that we'll see about Joseph is that Joseph was called the dreamer because he had a lot of dreams and he interpreted dreams. Now, how many of you have ever had a dream? Okay, the rest of you just aren't paying attention. All of you have dreamed, right? Okay, like, oh, oh, really raised my hand. So, so all of us have had dreams, but how many of you have ever woken up from your dream and thought, what in the world does that mean? right? You're like, okay, did that mean something? Was it the pizza I ate last night? Was it the Mexican the night before? I mean, you're going, what does this dream mean? And sometimes we try and figure out what our dreams mean. Sometimes they're just weird and there's no way we can figure it out. Well, like you, I've had dreams and I've had some wacky dreams and I want to share a wacky dream with you this morning. And before I do a bit of a disclaimer, if this is your first time at Riverridge Church, and you don't particularly want to come back to Riverridge Church, the story that I'm going to tell you is a great reason not to come back to Riverridge Church because you're going to go, that pastor is whacked out. We are definitely not going there. Okay, I'm just fair warning to you that that's the, that's the way it's going to go if that's the way you're leaning. So um, 15 years ago, Stacy and I moved to Charleston, West Virginia. That was actually posted on Facebook this week. And uh, so we moved to Charleston and, uh, in, in June. And then in September we started Riverridge Church publicly meeting at the Capitol Theater, and we had all of our stuff in this trailer that had um, sound equipment and music equipment and children's stuff and all that kind of stuff, and we stored it at a little Presbyterian church in South Hills. Okay, that's the, the backstory. So, my dream. It's a Wednesday night, and I, I go to sleep, I wake up, and I have, I'm remembering my dream. And so in my dream, here's what happened, right? Is uh, we're setting up the church... And we're kind of working on setting the church up, but we can't find the trailer, right? The, the trailer that has all of our stuff, but we can't find the trailer. And I'm getting mad and frustrated in my dream. And so I go to the guy, Dave, who's in charge of the setup, and I say to him, hang on, before I tell you what I say to him, I need to tell you a little bit about me, right? I, so um, when it comes to like sins and stuff like that, like I, I got plenty of struggles, but like Cussing is not really one of my things. Like, I don't really struggle with swearing. Okay, just, you got that? Like, I got plenty of other issues. That's not really one of them. Are you with me so far? Okay, right. So I say to Dave, I say, Dave, where's the Blanken trailer? But, but I didn't say Blanken. Like, I said the, the other one. The, and it wasn't like muffin trailer either. Like, I'm like, where's the... Right, you, you can film. If you don't know what that word is, ask your son. Um, so, but I say that in my dream, right? And like I said, I got plenty of issues. Cussing and swearing is not typically one of them. And so, uh, but anyway, so I, then I wake up from my dream, and I think saying that word probably startled me awake. So, anyway, so now it's Thursday morning. Uh, I go to the office, which is where the trailer is. I go inside. I start, you know, kind of doing my regular activities. I start thinking about my dream, and then I realize, I'm like, I don't think I saw the trailer in the parking lot at the church. So I go back out the door, 
and the trailer is not there. Where the trailer should have been is a bunch of zip ties that somebody had taken the trailer, had zip-tied it to their hitch, and had towed the trailer away, right? And I had had a dream about that the night before. Okay, that's freaky, right? And I look back on that, and I, and I, I mean, 15 years later, I look back on it still, and I'm like, I don't have an explanation for that. I don't know why that is. And I go, what did that dream mean? I mean, you know, did that, was that God waking me up and saying, I should have gone down the street to save the trailer and bust the guy red-handed? Maybe. You know, did I have the dream? Was that God's way of saying, I knew the trailer was going to be stolen, but I got this. Don't worry about it. You know, was that God's way of saying, you know, don't shut down the church. It's okay. We, you know, I don't know. But I look back on that. I'm like, that was a very freaky dream within the real life experience. And I share that mainly because it's a weird, freaky story about dreams. But I also share that because, so we're looking at Joseph, right? And Joseph had all of these dreams, and he would interpret people's dreams. And he had this gift that I don't have. He had this gift that most of us probably don't have, where he dreamed visions about the future. And he dreamed, and, he, and then he could interpret these dreams. And God gave him this amazing gift for what God was doing in his life and in the life of Israel at the time, or this, this small nation at the time. And so here's what we're going to do over the course of seven weeks as we look at this, as, as we look at the dreamers, as we look at Joseph, is we're going to ask kind of the same question week after week that's just going to tie this series together as we look at his life. And the question is this, is what would my life look like if I completely trusted God in all the different circumstances of my life. Because we all have good circumstances. We all have bad circumstances. We all have just sort of life as normal circumstance. What would my life look like if I trusted God fully and completely in the ups and the downs and everything in between? Because as we look at the life of Joseph, that's what we're going to find that he had. He had some lows that were way worse than anything we've ever encountered or will encounter. And he had some highs that are way more than we will ever have in our lives in terms of the good circumstances. And what was so unique and interesting and awesome about Joseph is that he trusted God fully and completely in his life, God with him, no matter what the circumstance of his life. And so we're going to have a look over the next seven weeks at his life. As we start this morning, though, what we're going to see is that while Joseph, God was with Joseph in all this, that Joseph had some things to learn, some character things to develop as God would be able to use him in greater ways in the future. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this uh, story of Joseph and for the chapters that we have in the Bible that describe it and how we can learn from it. I pray, God, that you would teach us, that you would help us to understand um, what it is that you want. Lord, there's a lot of different tangents in this passage. I pray that you would help us to zero in on the things that you want us individually to hear. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Yay, amen. That's awesome. You've got to time it to get that in the right place there. All right. Um, 
So as I mentioned, Joseph had this incredible gift to interpret dreams. Now, here's what I want you to think about. What are the gifts that you have? It's probably not the same gift that Joseph had, but what are the gifts that God has given you? How are you uniquely gifted? What are you really good at? You know, it may be that you're really good at using your mind, that you're just able to think about things critically and figure things out and memorize things. Your mind is a gift that God has given to you, your brain, the way it works. Maybe you have an incredible gift when it comes to art or music. Or maybe your gift is about being creative, that you're able to create things either by designing things or or writing things or musically or whatever you're creative. Or maybe your gift, what you're really good at, is you're a strategic thinker. You're able to just organize thoughts and think plans and steps and so forth, and that's the gift that God has given to you. Or maybe you're a dreamer like Joseph, not in the sense of nighttime dreams, but in terms of big ideas, that you can see big ideas out in the future, three, five, ten years out, and work towards those big dreams of what could be and what will be, and that's the gift that God has given to you. Or maybe you're a people person. You're just great with people. You're an encourager. You're a comforter. You're a nurturer. You're a teacher. And you're just really good at relationships with people. And that's the gift, a gift that God has given you. You know, over the last few weeks, we've been talking about this say yes in terms of serving in the church. And Steve talked about it a little bit during the Around the Ridge part that we did here. But, you know, when we say yes, what we're doing is we're taking the gifts that God has given us And we're using them to serve in God's kingdom. And specifically with Say Yes from it, serving within Rivers Church and what God is doing here. And that's kind of that's not where we're going with the sermon necessarily, but it helps to think about that in terms of the gifts that we have and how do we use the gifts. Because you know, you can use your gifts to maybe you use your gift to Uh, in your career, and that's great. You use your gift in whatever gift God has given you with mechanics or whatever it is, do you use that in your career to get ahead? You know, or maybe you use the gifts that God has given you in building God's kingdom, and that's awesome. Or maybe you use the gifts that God has given you to get ahead personally. There's something that you want to do, and you use that there. Or maybe the gifts that God has given you, that maybe you've smothered your gifts. Maybe God has given you a gift, and you smother it because you look at what somebody else has and say, I wish I had that gift. I'm going to try and be like that person instead of embracing how God has gifted you. You know, or maybe you're held back from fully using your gifts because there's some character things that God needs to adjust and work on in you. So we look at Joseph and his story. That's what's going on with him. That he had this incredible gift, but he's a teenager in this first story that we're going to look at, And God needed to do some refining of his gift, refining of his character in order to use his gift fully. So open up to Genesis chapter 37, and we'll jump into it here. Genesis chapter 37 begins with this. It says, Jacob lived in the land of his father's sojournings, in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was pastoring the flock with his brothers. He was a boy with he was a boy with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. 
Now, give you a little bit of a historical background. So kind of, you may have heard of different Bible names. So you've got Abraham and then Isaac and then Jacob. So that's where we are as far as if you know who Abraham, Isaac, and then you have Jacob. Now, you also may have heard of somebody named Israel, right? So here's what's helpful to understand is that Jacob has a name change and his name becomes Israel, right? And so we know Israel because of Israel in the Middle East. You may have heard the 12 tribes of Israel. Those are the 12 sons or mainly the, saint, the 12 sons of Israel. So Jacob and Israel, and they're used sort of interchangeably in this passage. So when it says Israel and then it says Jacob, it's not two different people. It's the same person. And so we've got Israel or Jacob here that we're introduced to or that's talked about. Um, and we're introduced to Joseph and his story. Now, if you are listening closely, and if you are sort of like listening closely but sort of attentively to it, something probably tripped you up here a little bit. And it says this. It says, He was a boy with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives. Okay, that's not a misprint. That's real. That he had two wives. That Jacob had two wives. Actually, he had four wives. He had these two, and then he had Rachel and Leah. And, you know, one of the things is you read that, you go, that's sort of strange. I mean, this is a man of God who had multiple wives. And so, and the skeptic, and, you know, people kind of try and poke holes in the Bible and say why it's not true or not reliable or not good to listen to or that type of thing. You know, and this is one of the things that people sometimes point to and say, well, the, the Bible endorses polygamy. I mean, what kind of Bible, what kind of book endorses polygamy of having multiple wives? Well, in fact, if you look at this passage and as you look at all the passages that deal with polygamy, with multiple wives, it never says practice polygamy. What we find is, in fact, by example, that polygamy leads to all kinds of problems, right? That when you've got two wives, three wives, four wives, however many wives you had, ain't nobody happy in that household, right? I mean, this, this is, this, honestly, this could be a textbook about why not to have multiple wives. Like, it leads to all kinds of bad, nasty stuff there. And really, the mentioning of it is really more of a warning against it than endorsement of it. But we'll go on. It says this in verse 3. It says, now Israel, and so Israel's other name is? Jacob. Good. You guys were listening. You all pay better attention or speak louder over there. All right. So it says, now Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his sons, because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. So there's a couple things going on that I want to point out. First of all, um, and this is, this is not the main point of the passage, but what, we're, what we see here, it says that Joseph, oh, excuse me, it says Israel or Jacob loved Joseph more than the others. And he gave him this coat that he had a favorite. He was playing favorites. And I would just kind of, for all of you who are parents, moms, and dads, I would caution us or have us look at our lives and, or our, the way that we treat our kids and make sure that we're not playing favorites. You know, and I, I'm, it's going to tell us why he played the favorite. You know, it says that he was his son of an old age. So he had, when he was older and he had him by Rachel, who was kind of his favorite wife. Again, don't have a favorite wife. Have one favorite wife would be sort of, the, you get that, right? Um, so, but the thing is that 
He played favorites. And, and sometimes we can do that mistakenly as parents because, you know, one child is, is more obedient or one child is more like us or one child does something great and the other child does. I mean, it's easy for us to, as parents to play favorites. And there's a huge warning here about the problems because as this story unfolds, it's going to get real ugly in the family real quick because Jacob is playing favorites and elevating Joseph above his brother's. And so he does this, and he gives them, it says, and he made a robe of many colors. And sometimes it's called the coat of many colors, if you've seen the musical Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat. But it's this coat of many colors. And basically what it was, it was this very, very ornate robe that was, um, you know, it went all the way down to his hands, all the way to his feet, very colorful, probably had gems and jewelry and things like that sewn into it, very sparkly and shiny. And it basically was a thing that elevated him in this gift above his brothers. And it says at the very end of verse 4, and says, and they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. That it drove them crazy that his brother, that their brother was elevated above the rest of them. So then here's what happens next. This is verse 5. It says, now Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf rose and stood upright, and behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brothers said to him, are you indeed to reign over us? Are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Can you imagine the retelling of this dream? So Joseph wakes up from the dream, and he goes and he gets his 11 brothers. says, gather around, listen to this cool dream that I had, right? There was a trailer outside an office. No, he says, so listen to this dream that I had, right? That we were all, there's all these sheaves in the field, and each of these sheaves, which is like a bundle of hay or wheat, each of these bundles represented one of you, and all of us stood up, but then yours came forward and yours bowed down to me. So one day you're going to bow to me because I'm going to reign and rule over you. And he was the second youngest. And so for that to happen would be a total change in the culture, a total change in the shift in the way of the hierarchy of the family. We said, this is what's going to happen. He shares it with him. A little bit later... He has another dream, and he shares this dream, and I won't read it to you. I'll summarize it, but basically it's a dream where there are 11 stars, and there are 11 brothers, and there is a sun and a moon representing his mother and father, and he says, and what happened in this dream is the 11 stars and the sun and the moon, they all bowed down to me, and so now he's got his mom and dad bowing down to him as well. So he's kind of full of this pride of sharing the story, like, hey, you all are going to worship me. I'm the stuff. It's going to happen eventually. That's chapter 37, scene one. We're going to go to chapter 37, scene two. Joseph is at home with his dad. The 11 brothers are off about 70 miles away, as best we can figure from the geography that's mentioned in the Bible, that they're about 70 miles away. And Jacob says to Joseph, I want you to go and check on your brothers. Come back, tell me what's going, tell, tell me how they're doing. And so he heads off to this pretty distant land as far as the culture and how far it was travel for them. 
And it says this in verse 18. It says, they saw him, so that's the brothers, they saw him from afar, and before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. They said to one another, here comes this dreamer, come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him, and we will see what will become of his dreams. So it says that they saw him far away. Well, how do you think they saw him far away? Because he's wearing this coat. And this is an ornamental thing. This is a decorative thing. This is not like traveling clothes, so to speak. So he's wearing, they see him in this really ornate thing. So they can see him far off. And so by the time, from the time they see him to the time he arrives, they've conspired. They're like, let's kill him. And, you know, and just to kind of add to this whole deal is Joseph is wearing this coat. And one, you know, why did he wear it? Because he's the favored son. He wants them to know it. But also, part of it is he didn't want to work. Right? I mean, you don't, you know, you don't show up to a, a construction site in a coat and tie and expect to work. Right? He's showing up in his fancy clothes going, I'm above you guys. I had this dream where you bowed down to me and dad likes me better and I've got this coat and so I'm just here checking on you. And so they conspired to kill him. So this is what happens. It says this in um, verse 25. I'm sorry, I, I skipped a little part. Let me summarize just one part here. It says this. Um, it, they see him coming. They say, let's kill him. Um, and then in verse, uh, and they take him, and, and kind of in between they decide, one of the brothers kind of argues against killing Joseph initially. He says, let's just throw him in a pit for now. Let's kind of put him in a holding cell. So they put him in this holding cell. They put him in this pit. And then it says this in verse 25. Then they sat down to eat. Okay, the brothers in the pit, like what were they talking about at this conversation over lunch? Right? Was it, hey, pass me another sandwich. Can I get a Coke? Can I get some mustard for this? I don't think so. I think they were talking about how much we hate our brother Joseph. How he's so arrogant and telling us that we're, he's going to rule over us. And how much dad likes him better than us. And so this conversation goes on. And then they say this. It says, And looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing gum, balm, and myrrh on their way to carry it down to Egypt. So they're having lunch. Joseph is in this pit. It's basically a large water well that's empty. And there's a caravan coming, a trading caravan coming by. And so they have this discussion, and they say, you know what? Let's not kill him. Let's make a couple of bucks, and let's sell him to slavery. We know this caravan's going to end up in Egypt, so he'll be far, far, far away from us. And so they sell him for 20 shekels to this caravan. Well, as things go on, they look and they try and figure out, okay, what are we going to tell dad? We kind of have this problem with dad because he's going to want to know, you know, where's your son? And so they make up this story. And this is what it says in verse um, 31. It says, Then they took Joseph's robe and slaughtered a goat and dipped the robe in the blood. And they sent the robe of many colors and brought it to their father and said, This we have found. Please identify whether it is your son's robe or not. 
and he identified it and said, it is my son's robe. A fierce animal has devoured him. Joseph is without a doubt torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his garments and put a sackcloth on his loins and mourned for his son for many days. You know, these brothers um, are really sly in the way that they draw the father in. I mean, if you think about it, so they sell their brother into slavery, they sell Joseph into slavery, and then they take his coat, which they know is his coat, and they put blood on it, and they rip it up a little bit, and then they bring it to their dad. And they say, Dad, we don't know what happened to him. What do you think happened to him? And now Jacob is filling in the story, filling in kind of the gaps. It's like, well, there's blood, so he must have been bleeding. It's torn up, so it must have been a wild animal. I bet what happened is a wild animal came and ate him and left the robe there. That's what happened. And so they, they bring their father into this story in their deception. Then it says this, verse 35. It says, All his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted and said, No, I shall go down to Sheol to my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. It says that they tried to comfort him, but they couldn't comfort him. He refused to be comforted. Why do you think that is? You know, my guess is that their father saw that the comforting was completely disingenuous. Because I mean, they were people, he didn't know this, but they had gotten rid of Joseph. And they had made up the story, and they were trying to comfort him. Oh, Dad, it's okay. And on top of that, he knew their hatred for Joseph from when he was there before, right? And it says he refused to be comforted. But for years, several decades, they keep this lie to themselves. You, know, you talk about that movie, was it? Meet the Parents, you know, Circle of Trust, Circle of Trust, you know? Like they kept the Circle of Trust, which is really surprising. You would have thought that one of them would feel so guilty that he would say, hey, Dad, and then he would blurt it out. But they didn't. They kept the circle of deception, the circle of trust for years. Then it ends up with these words, verse 37. It says, Meanwhile, the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard. There's this great word Meanwhile, you see, meanwhile has this sense of while this is going on, something else is going on. You know, you may be here this morning and your life, when we talk about circumstances and ups and downs, you may be in a, a tough spot in your life right now. You may be in a hard circumstance in your life right now. But I want you to know that there's a meanwhile. While this is going on in your life, there's a meanwhile that God is at work doing something else, orchestrating a, a resolution to the issues that you have going on. That God is always at work even when we don't see what's at work. And as the story unfolds, we'll see what happens with the meanwhile. But what's happening here, the meanwhile, so we, we kind of see what's going on with Joseph being put in the pit and Joseph being sold into slavery. But there's a meanwhile there is that God is doing something 
in Joseph's life. That there is a transformation that happens in Joseph's life when he arrives in Egypt, that he's a different person. Because he has this gift, and God has given him this gift, just like God has given you a gift. But there's refining of his character that goes on in order for this gift to flourish and be used fully and totally of God. So what I want us to do for the final just five minutes or so this morning is I want us to look at this question and ask this question or answer this question of what did Joseph give up in order to fully use his gifts and then how does that relate to us? Here's the first thing that Joseph gave up. Joseph gave up his pride. Joseph gave up his pride. If you remember back to the beginning of the story, he was incredibly arrogant. He tells them, hey, remember, here's what happened. I had this dream. He didn't need to tell them the dream. He didn't need to tell them the second dream. He didn't need to come in from the fields and be a tattletale on his brothers and give a bad report of them. He didn't need to do any of that. But he did that because he had this incredible pride. And pride ended up with him in the pit and being sold into slavery. But those events changed his life. That when we look at next week and the week after and the week after in Joseph in Egypt, we'll see that his pride is gone. That he uses his gifts, but it's not about him anymore. That there's this humility to him. And I would challenge you with this question is, what does pride look like in your life? The gifts that you have, do you use those and say, hey, look at me, look what I can do? Or is there humility in the gifts that you have? Because there's two ways to get rid of pride in our lives. There's kind of two paths that we have a choice of going down. One path is we go this way, right? And we say, I'm just going to be more humble. I'm going to change. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to humble myself before people, before God. And it's a choice that we make. That's a path that we can go down. Or we go down the other path. And the other path is the one where God breaks us of our pride. And we end up in the pit. And we end up in slavery. And we end up over here, and God breaks us of our pride. And that's a lot more painful than choosing to be humble, which is the other path. Here's the second thing that Joseph gave up to fully use the gifts of God, is Joseph gave up his dream. Joseph gave up his dream. Now, he didn't fully understand what his actual, like, night dreams meant. Um, you know, he, thought, he probably thought, hey, I'm, an, I'm the youngest or second youngest son I'm going to be the one in charge of the whole family business, the whole, the farm, the cattle, the livestock, all that stuff, and you guys are going to bet. That's probably the dream that he was looking for. His brothers would actually have to worship him opposed to worshiping him in a dream. But God had a totally different dream, a totally different future for Joseph. But in the pit, he gave that up. It doesn't say that he got to Egypt and snuck back. This is not how the story ends. It doesn't say, got to Egypt, he snuck back, and he made his brothers worship him because he told his dad what they did. It, it didn't end up like that. It ends up a different way, right? But he gave up his dream to follow God's dream. And I would challenge you with that same question, is whose dreams are you following? Do you have dreams and desires for what you want in life, and you're following them, Or have you laid those aside in order to follow the dreams of God, what God wants in your life? And then here's the third thing that he gives up, is Joseph gave up his coat. Joseph gave up his coat or his robe. And for him, that was a symbolic thing of a lot of different things. 
One is that coat symbolized his very highly dysfunctional family. And he left them behind. He gave that up. He was changed. You know, the other thing it, it symbolizes is he had this look-at-me attitude. He wanted to be favored. He wanted to be the best. He wanted everybody to, to look at Joseph and say, ooh, Joseph's the man, right? Giving up the coat was giving up that. And then the other thing is the, the, the coat symbolized his wealth. Like he was part of an incredibly wealthy family, and he gave that up, not by his own choice. It was taken away from him, and he became a slave having nothing, no ownership in Egypt. Joseph gave up his coat. And so the question I have for you is, what is the coat that God is calling you to give up? And I'm not going to give you ideas about what that means, but just sort of ask that question of God. God, are there things that you want me to give up in order to serve you fully? Are there things that you want me to give up in my life in order to use the gifts that you've given me to make a huge impact in the kingdom of God? And like I said, I don't know what that is, and I don't even want to give some suggestions because I want you to hear from God and ask God that question. What is the coat of many colors that I need to give up in order to serve you fully? So come back next week, find out what's going to happen. Read ahead in chapter 39, what will happen to Joseph? What will happen to his brothers? What will happen to his father? Will Joseph's dreams come true, right? It's the cliffhanger at the end of a story. So read on your own and then come back next week. So uh, why don't you stand up and we will pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you just for the gift of laughter, the gift of worship, of being together with communion. And thank you that you have given each one of us gifts and that we can use our gifts in serving in the kingdom of God. Show us how it is that you want us to do that, Father. Speak to our hearts, speak to our minds about our futures. And Lord, strip us of pride. Strip us of our own dreams and replace them with your dreams. And strip us of whatever that thing that we're holding on to that we need to let go of to fully serve you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.